And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord, who calls us to this time and place of worship. What a wonderful gift it is to be able to begin this day, begin this week with a time of worship with you all. Thank you for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. I will remind you that as we gather for worship, you will find some registration pads to your right or left, because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship this morning. As we gather and prepare for worship, just a reminder, too, of ministry opportunities as they are before us. A reminder that our mission team will meet on Wednesday evening in the Uptown Ministry Center uh, to address the mission ministries of this church. And then one of those prime mission ministries is to be offered next Saturday morning from the Uptown Ministry Center. That is the ministry of the Food Bank and Clothes Closet. We always welcome volunteers to be a part of those ministries, so simply show up around 8.30, 9 o'clock next Saturday morning at the Uptown Ministry Center, and we will share in that ministry of serving God as we serve our neighbors in need. A reminder as well that in next week uh, is a significant time of ministry here at First Church as we begin a new season of youth and children's ministries that will take place following this service, again in the Uptown Ministry Center. Matt Hoover and other leadership is a part of this, so we're very excited about what God is leading us into as we share in a new season of Youth and Children's Ministries. And then on Monday, following next Monday, uh, at the end of the school day, uh, children's choirs will be, take place again here. It will be a very exciting place to be uh, beginning next Monday. So again, thank you for your support of these ministries and your prayers, which inspire these ministries as well. As we gather in worship, we are mindful of the words of Jesus as he taught us to pray, let your kingdom come your will be done. We will share, as we have shared very often, from the Gospel of Luke and words that Jesus gives to us about the pleasure the Father takes in giving to us his kingdom. I invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
I invite us to stand as we share in our call to worship. The Mighty One summons us from sunrise to sunset. By perfect beauty, God shines forth. God calls to heaven and earth, gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me. Let us not forget God, but with thanksgiving as our sacrifice, let us be a people of justice.
seated. I invite us to go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. Gracious God, thank you for seeking us out, for gathering us before you, for not keeping silent in the face of our need. Thank you for challenging us with strong words to be a people of covenant and justice. Thank you for assuring us that we need not be afraid for it is your good pleasure to give us your kingdom. In courage and hope, we come before you this hour to hear your word and prepare our hearts for the hour of your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this time of worship as well, you will see that we will offer a prayer for wisdom as we recognize that this is the time of year when many of us are returning to school or affected by going back to school, so we wish to remember teachers, students, and families in this time of prayer. And we also hear these words from Deuteronomy 6 about how we shall instruct the children in faith. So as we prepare to hear these words from Deuteronomy 6, I invite us to pray. We thank you for your word, Lord many years old, but heard anew this day. May this word find a home within us, that it may take root and bear fruit, so as to glorify you, and so as to be a blessing to many. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances which the Lord our God commanded me to teach you, that we may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your children and your children's children, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of our Lord. And I do invite us to share responsibly in this prayer for wisdom. I will begin the prayer and invite you to respond with bold print. Let us pray. O God of wisdom, as our children are headed back to school and college to learn anew, help us pass on to them the wisdom that has been given to us from the generations before us. Help our children as they learn their daily lessons to listen and learn. 
Help their teachers have the patience and the knowledge to teach well. Help us as we guide them through those lessons. We ask for your wisdom to discern your ways and paths We ask for your wisdom to discern how to deal with others we meet and live with and work with and shop with and to drive our roads with, wait in line with, eat with, and to be with daily. We ask for your wisdom in dealing with injustices in our world. We ask for wisdom for our leaders of our world, our countries, our states, and our communities. We ask for wisdom for our church leaders worldwide and local. We ask for wisdom for our pastors as they preach your word, inspire, lead, and grow us as disciples. We ask for your wisdom as we reach out to those in need in our communities and in our world. We ask for wisdom as we minister to those who are bound down and in nursing homes. We ask for your wisdom as we minister to those in hospitals, in recovery, and rehab. Wish to invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time. Did you have something? Okay. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Hey guys, come on down. So did you guys have a good summer? Yes, wonderful. What was your favorite part about your summer before school starts back up? Oh, getting to go swimming? I love swimming too. It's a lot of fun. But now that school is just around the corner, or some of you guys may have already started, is that right? What did you guys do to get ready for that? Did you guys need to get pencils and books and notepads and binders and stuff? Uh-huh, yeah, I know I had to do that a lot, too, when I went to school. I might have to do that again when I go back to school. Who knows? But right here we got a backpack which shows all the preparedness that we would ever have to have or need getting ready for school. So, you know, we always wear these things, hulking around all that stuff that we need for our classes and for our studies, for games and stuff, too. And in a lot of ways, we carry this around, and it has all the stuff that we need to be prepared for the day ahead of us in school. Now, it's really cool because Jesus talks a lot about being prepared, especially for what he calls the kingdom of God. And what Jesus says is the kingdom of God, he says that we can embody right here on earth. We don't necessarily have to wait until we get into heaven. But he says to store that up here so we can have our riches in heaven. That way nobody can take it from us and we can always be prepared to share it with others. So no matter what they look like or where they come from or who they are, we're always prepared to be able to reach out a helping hand and be there for somebody, whether they're in our community or outside our community, or just being welcomed into our communities. And Jesus likes to make that door be opened because he says, always be prepared, because one night I'll knock and you won't know when, 
but I expect you to be ready to receive me. So, like, say you have a guest coming over to your house real late one night, and you weren't necessarily expecting visitors, but you had stuff set aside. You might have a guest bedroom or something in your home, and if somebody needed a place to stay, you could provide them that place to stay. And that's kind of what Jesus is getting at there. When he told his disciples this, he was telling us to be ready that we never know when we're going to be expected to be needed to be able to help somebody. Just like you'll never know when you'll need a piece of paper or a pen or a pencil in the classes. Your teacher might pop up a pop quiz or bring up something for you to draw or take a crafts or arts in, but you'll be ready. You'll be prepared. You may not have to ask for something, but you might also have something that somebody else needs. I can't tell you guys how many times I had to give a friend a pencil because they weren't ready for it or they weren't prepared for it throughout the day. But in many ways, God is just like that. And he prepares us in our hearts to be able to do things like that, not necessarily physically all the time, but definitely in the spirit that he gives us and how he provides for us and gets us ready to do that for others, as well as for ourselves. All right, let's bow our heads and pray, you guys. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for getting us ready to receive you and your people that you bring to us, Lord God. Thank you for the preparedness you bring to us and you make us aware of and ready for so that we can go out and be that kingdom that you set up and be those people that invite people in, that welcome people in, that have a home that somebody who is needing or lost can abide in because you have provided it for us, for us to provide for them. In your precious name we pray, Lord God. Amen. Now invite us to stand as we sing.
Again, we spend a great deal of time in the Gospel of Luke this year, so now we share from Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 40. We hear the word of God. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Provide yourselves with purses that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded and your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the marriage feast, so that they may open to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them, so blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the householder had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of our Lord. Well, it appears, according to Jesus, we are never far from the kingdom of God, even at this point in his ministry, according to the gospel of Luke, we're not far from the kingdom. Now, we notice as we share the gospel this morning, we are in chapter 12, about halfway through Luke. Now, here we are a long way from the climactic points of Jesus' ministry, a long way from his crucifixion, a long way from his resurrection, a long way from his ascension into heaven, and yes, a great distance that appears from his second coming. Still, we heard Jesus. It is the Father's pleasure to give to his children his kingdom. We hear Jesus, let nothing distract you. Put all else aside. Let nothing keep you from being attentive to the coming kingdom of God. Be prepared. Be watchful. You do not want the Son of Man to return and find you unprepared. You must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. What sounds as if he is saying the kingdom could come at any moment. Well, why not? Why would those who first heard these words of Jesus believe the coming kingdom to be so distant? We read the letters of the New Testament. Among these letters, the letters of the Apostle Paul. In the earliest of his letters, 1 Thessalonians, it appears Paul expects Jesus to return soon. The last of his letters to the Romans, it appears Paul has resigned himself to a, well, it might be a while before Jesus returns. Still we pray thy kingdom come. Still we confess he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We have been so praying, so confessing a long time. Still we hear Jesus, the kingdom is closer than you realize. 
So close you must now be prepared. It is the Father's pleasure to give the kingdom. Do not let him find you unprepared. The kingdom is closer than you think. Can we believe that? Now, I don't wish to be irreverent. Far from that. With you, I believe the return of our Lord is fundamental to our faith. I have shared with you in worship that we are a people of direction, a people directed to this coming kingdom, directed to that day when God fulfills his victorious kingdom and all creation shall see the victory of God. This is a serious tenet of our faith. It's just I can't help but notice we've been waiting for this return of Jesus a long time. Do we believe his return to be any closer than before? Do we believe it be so close that we are willing to quit paying into our retirement plans? Do we believe the kingdom is so close that we're willing to sell all we have, give to the poor? I'm not going to need it. Jesus is coming. True, we believe Jesus will come again. We may just find it difficult to believe this kingdom is so close as Jesus would have us believe. So we will continue to take less than seriously those who see in the headlines of every daily paper and the broadcast of every evening news signs that Jesus is coming soon. Like me, you may shake your heads at those end-time prophets who devise some artificial timeline of end-time events and lay such a timeline upon Scripture and tell us the end is near. Now, that's not to say we don't believe in the biblical witness that Jesus will come again. It is to say, though we believe he'll come again, we still plan for our future, for our children's future. There's also this. How can we believe the kingdom of God to be so near when there are so many signs this kingdom is as far away as ever. Because we believe, don't we, that this kingdom is to be defined by peace. We believe God's kingdom to be a kingdom where all is healed, absent of all fear, filled with all faith. We believe the kingdom of God to be one in which all know the Lord and all are filled and satisfied and have no want. It is a kingdom in which Hymns and hallelujahs echo without end. A kingdom in which we, along with John the Revelator, hear what seemed to be the sound of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of many thunder peals, crying hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory this, we say, is the kingdom of God. Then we remember El Paso, Texas. Then we remember Dayton, Ohio. Then we remember. It's not unusual for children in our own elementary schools to undergo emergency drills telling them what they should do in case they confront gunfire 
in the middle of a school day. Then we remember our neighbors on our southern border fleeing the violence of gangs and governments as they tried to find refuge in this nation. We remember the poison rhetoric amongst our elected government officials. We read the pathological screeds of social media. We wonder, has the kingdom of God ever been further away? If it is the pleasure of our Father to give his kingdom, why do we seem to experience nothing but his displeasure now? We pray thy kingdom come. We mean these words. We confess he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. Everyone here believes this. Still we know it's not easy for us to live in this time in between the first coming of Jesus and his second coming. Just how close is this promised kingdom of God? How close is this kingdom of which Jesus said it's the Father's pleasure to give us? I'm fortunate to have been a student of the late Elizabeth Ochtemeyer, a gifted professor in Old Testament and preaching. In her book, Preaching as Theology and Art, Ochtemeyer includes a sermon of hers titled, Thy Kingdom Come. In this sermon, she includes this story. When our daughter was in college, she was a member of the Brown University Chorus, and one December in Lincoln Center in New York, we saw a remarkable movie of a trip that some members of that chorus had made to India. One of the stops on the chorus itinerary was at Mother Teresa's Hospital for the Dying in Calcutta. There before an audience made up of the emaciated forms of the poor, the starving, the disease-ridden, the outcast, all lying in bed waiting for death, the Brown University Chorus sang Randall Thompson's magnificent anthem, Alleluia. Tears ran down the students' faces as they sang, but one could well have asked them, how can you sing Alleluia in such a setting? Where is there any cause at all for praise in the words of such human misery. How can you sing the Lord's song in such a situation of suffering? Surely, alleluia, belongs in the kingdom of God, not among the dregs of dying. And yet, a remarkable result followed the singing of that song when the notes of that anthem of praise died away in that hospital for death every bony face on every hospital pillow shone forth with some glimpse of a transforming glory. And the dying smiled and laughed and held out arms of love to these college students. She asked, could it be 
that the kingdom of God has actually begun to come on this earth in Jesus Christ, and we have simply missed seeing it. It is the Father's pleasure to give us the kingdom, Jesus tells us. It appears that God will give his kingdom wherever he chooses to do so. It is his kingdom, not ours. He does not need our permission, our cooperation to establish his kingdom. It is a kingdom of his making. It is his pleasure to give it. And he gives this kingdom in even the most unlikely of times and places. It's his pleasure to do so. The God who reveals himself in a child born to unwed parents in the backwater town in a Roman empire, the God who makes the cross an instrument of glory, who brings to life that which was dead, is the God who can reveal his kingdom wherever he chooses to do so. You and I do well to be prepared to see God's kingdom in unexpected times and places. In the most recent alumni newsletter of my seminary, there's an article written by faculty member Carson Brisson. Brisson recounts a moving incident he experienced during a recent Mideast seminar. He writes, four Middle East seminar participants and I descended limestone steps into the excavated remains of an ancient pool complex. The pool, its waters glimmering among marble ruins in the morning light, had been cut through a nearby ridge of exposed bedrock. The site was so close to the eastern flank of Jerusalem's old city that we could hear public buses grinding slowly up steep streets and sidewalk peddlers professing the merits of their wares to passing crowds of discerning shoppers. Minutes after our arrival, a group of about eight people, each dressed in what appeared to be a baptismal robe, came silently down the steps we had just taken. We acknowledged one another with smiles and nods. No words were exchanged. The group group quickly formed a circle where the stream emerged from the entrance of the stone tunnel. One of its number then produced and read from a hand-sized book with an Ethiopian cross embossed on its front cover. The reading was perhaps in the Gies language, but we were not sure. Following the reading, the group prayed. Then, after removing their sandals and setting aside twine-bound bundles of street clothes, towels, and food items, they formed a line and waded into the stream. To our amazement, with the first and last persons in line cradling lit candles, they quietly disappeared upstream into the tunnel's waters and darkness. Before long, we heard them begin to sing what sounded like a hymn. Its verses punctuated with a captivating hallelujah refrain that grew more moving with each waning repetition echoing out of the tunnel's mouth. We fell silent and stared into the middle distance, 
submerged in what we were hearing, receiving without giving, unable to define the moment, contributing nothing to it, empty-handed guest in the arms of unscheduled beauty. What exactly was happening? Could the song ascending from the pilgrim choir wading through the candlelit darkness be inspiring the very stones of the tunnel to lift up their voices? Why not? Was the sacred music a rehearsal for the day when no one need ever again say to any other, Know the Lord? When every last division and every last depredation, even death itself, shall be no more? When we as nations forever cease our anthems of war to join with the new creation in hymns of endless worship? Why not? Were we being asked how best our lives might become attuned even now to the transcendent reality, incarnate presence, and incumbent values of that future day? Why not? He concludes, dear reader, it was amid these questions that our eyes were suddenly opened, and we saw that the waters of the pool beside which we stood upon hearing hallelujahs rising out of upstream darkness had begun to tremble. So did we. It is the Father's pleasure to give his kingdom to us. He calls us to prepare, to make ourselves ready, to receive his kingdom in all its fullness. For in those places we had not thought to look, in those places not looking terribly holy, there we are brought to confess God's kingdom is here. Amen. Let us stand and respond to the word as we affirm our faith with words of scripture from 1 Corinthians and Colossians. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins was buried, was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in the fullness of God, to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross, reconciles all things to God. Amen. As we stand, let us welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ.
reason to say Alan. things matter. We prepare to worship God together as our ushers come forward and we receive God's tithes and our offerings. pray. Lord, it is your pleasure to give to us your kingdom and all things therein. You bless us beyond measure, for it is your nature to take delight in blessing all you have made. May we take delight in worshiping you and bringing you glory and praise as we return these gifts to you with the prayer that in your care they accomplish much for your sake.
may be seated. Our Lord calls us to be the community of faith that ask and seek and knock, the praise without ceasing. We remember these words as we go to God and pray, as we share responsibly in the prayers of the people. This is a time of prayer in which I will offer various petitions of prayer and conclude each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy. I invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and invite you to name those concerns that are upon your heart as we worship and pray together. And then we conclude with the prayer that Christ has taught us. We go to God as we pray. Lord, hear our prayers, spoken and unspoken. In this time of prayer, inspire us not only to be those who speak, but to be those who listen. And Lord, bring us to know of the pleasure and the delight that you take in giving to us those things of your kingdom. Open our hands, our hearts, that we may receive and shape our lives according to the nature of your kingdom, so that we may bring signs and glimpses of your kingdom wherever we may be. May those with whom we speak, those whom we meet, be those who see in us the ways of your kingdom of peace, of healing, of hospitality, of new beginnings. Help us, Lord, to be faithful as your people, taking delight in the pleasure that you find and giving to us your kingdom. Help us, Lord, with eyes of faith to see that you establish your kingdom wherever you will, even in places most unlikely. Lord, in your mercy, and hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. 
Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Weaver, Bishop Lewis, Denise Bates, the ministries of First Church, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear our prayers, gathered with those of your saints, whose voices are joined to ours, praying as Christ has taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We stand as we sing.
Amen. We have known God's pleasure. Give us all good gifts in this time of worship. And as we go from this place, we still experience such extravagant generosity of God, and we seek to be a light for his sake in this community and beyond. Go in peace in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.